Congregation, let's read together from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 32, the first Lord's Day of the third part of Thankfulness on page 66, questions 86 and 87. Since then we are delivered from our misery, merely of grace through Christ, without any merit of ours, why must we still do good works? And because Christ, having redeemed and delivered us from, by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image, that so we may testify by the whole of our conduct our gratitude to God for his blessings, and that he may be praised by us, also that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof, and that by our godly conversation others may be gained to Christ. 87. Cannot they then be saved who, continuing in their wicked and ungrateful lives, are not converted to God? By no means. For the Holy Scripture declares that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, covetous man, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or any such like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. So far, the theme for this evening is good works, good works, three thoughts with the help of the Lord, the author of good works. That's the Lord, of course, through Christ, the author of good works. Secondly, the purpose of good works. What is it for? What is the benefit of it? And in the third place, the seriousness of missing good works. Good works. The author of good works. The purpose of good works and the seriousness of missing good works. Congregation, we have come to the last section of the Heidelberg Catechism. The first part was about our misery. The middle part was about deliverance. And now it is about gratitude. So that is 20 Lord's Days to go yet. Quite a big part of the Heidelberg Catechism is reserved for gratitude, for thankfulness, to explain the law. Of course, the Lord loves to see broken-hearted people in misery, he likes to see repentance. He works it himself. He loves it to hear that people are acknowledging their sins. And yes, the Lord also delights in being trusted and believing in him. But gratitude, especially gratitude, is the part of thankfulness. And it has to come out. It has to be revealed. It has to become public how thankful God's people are. Thankfulness is the flower of the plant, not the root, not the stem, but the flower. So our fathers could have discussed the law in the first part, when they're talking about the misery and sin, but they have chosen to go into detail in the third part. So that then we discuss the law of the Lord, all the Ten Commandments, we look at that from the background of thankfulness and not as a whip, not as something to hurt and to know your misery, although that could have been a side effect of it, of course. So Lord's Day 32 and 33 are an introduction to thankfulness and to the explanation of the Ten Commandments. And the question, the first question, reminds us already of where we left off. Since then, we are delivered. See? Not 
It's not talking about how to receive the deliverance, how to experience it, what it is. It's past. Since then, we are delivered. So we are talking about God's people. They have been delivered. A wonder has happened. They have been freed from the enemies. They've been freed from the guilt of sin. And what else? What else do we need to be freed from? Not only the guilt, the guilt we made, but also we need to be delivered from the power of sin. Sin is also a power holding on to us. And Satan likes to keep people in his talents, and he, don't, he does not want to give his prey up. So Satan is doing his utmost to hold people in their sins and away from God and away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the people of Israel were in slavery, right? And so often it sounded, let my people go. And they, they, he refused, Satan, uh, Pharaoh. He refused. He didn't want to let him go. And so all people are in slavery. And they're under that bondage. And we have to work hard and try to make ourselves happy. And it's not, not really working. And we are serving the world and serving the prince of the world. Do you agree with me that, that slavery is a hard service? Because it does not make you happy. It only disappoints and leaves you empty and wounds your conscience and makes you feel miserable or makes you even harder. The service of sin and the world leads also to hell, right? It is a hell-bound service. It is a life on the broad way. It goes into darkness. It goes to a place where no love is. Imagine, there's absolutely no love in hell. Nobody is loving one another. Only a cold shoulder, only a hatred. To be hated and to hate back. So have we been delivered as well from that slavery, from that misery, from that curse, from the power of sin? You know, I looked up the word misery, what it actually means in English. Even in English, it has many different meanings. Like, misery is unhappiness, right? And misery is sadness and often despair and grief and agony, and are we still in that misery? Christ came to deliver from it, to rescue people. And in our question, we are reminded of that. Since then, we are delivered from our misery by the Lord, by the Lord Jesus Christ especially. And of course, that was merely by grace. There was nobody deserving it. And the Lord did not need to deliver us. There was no must. It was the Lord's free will to save a people for himself. He does not have to save. It's not in no way, he's, he's, he is in no way bound to it. But yet he has delivered his chosen ones from all the misery, merely through grace by Christ. That is a one-sided work. The Lord Christ was first. And that dear Son of God, rescued from sin, from wrath, from curse, he was willing to deliver sinners and set them free. And for that reason, he came to earth. The Lord Jesus, he obeyed God's entire law, had no sin, knew no sin, was made to be sin for us in order to make righteousness of God in him. And the Lord Jesus did all work. He's the author and finisher of faith. Nothing good come from our side. So no wonder we must speak of gratitude. Gratitude because we only resisted. God's people, now God's people, only disobeyed and there was no cooperation at all. And he yet saved them for no reason in them. So of course, there must be gratitude. 
the triune God is so worthy of it. But if that's true, that God has delivered people out of me grace through Christ, if that's true, it is true, why must we still do good works? If we cannot gain anything ourselves, if we cannot pay in any shape or form, is there not double then that the Lord Jesus is paying the price and we also have to do something? Why must we, must we still do good works then? So are we kind of half Arminians? So the Lord's doing the work, but we also have to live a good life? So we also must do it? So some reason that Christ has saved his people so they don't have to be so precise anymore. They are not in the law any longer. They don't sin anymore. Must we, must we do good things and obey the Lord? Is, if salvation is free, if we receive it without money and without price, then why must we add anything to what Christ paid? Well, we, don't, we do not add anything ever. We cannot. We cannot add anything. We don't have to either. And yet we must do good works. Yes, but not in order to receive grace. Not in order to receive it. But because God's children have been delivered. See, that's the difference. We need to do good works, not because not to receive something, but because God's people have received something, have received God's grace. And therefore, that gratitude is necessary, and they must. And I repeat that Christ is doing all the work to save sinners, all the work from beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He doesn't only pay the price for his blood, he also is doing much more. He's doing more than paying the price. It's more than dying, more than crucifying, more than being crucified, more than going to heaven and more than pay, pray for them. He does more. He doesn't only deliver from the guilt of sin, but as I indicated, also from the power of sin. Sin is a power, slave master, and he has a good grip on people. Satan defends his prey and doesn't allow anyone to steal his game. Think of someone with a serious addiction to marijuana or something else. And that person is stealing and trying to get money all different ways and he has a huge debt and someone likes to help him and pays his debt off for him. Well, I'm wondering if that's wise. Suppose he, someone is doing that for, 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 for him, for her. But the person is still in the same problems. He is still an addict. Although he has paid for him the price so he can go free and does not have to go to jail for that. Because you have paid the price. But he also needs to heal from his addiction, right? That power. And that's difficult. He needs to go to a to center to... To, to heal from that, to be delivered from that power. And so it is with people. It's not sufficient that the Lord Jesus paid the price for us. Also, he needs to change the heart. He needs to give a different will. He needs to have a, give a different desire, a different personality almost. So with people, we need someone to pay and we need to change a new heart. We need a new heart to do good works, right? A new heart is to do good works. A new heart is not to believe only, is not only to praise the Lord, is also to walk in his ways. He approved of this. Jeremiah 31 this shall be the covenant that I will make, that I will make with the house of Israel 
after those days, say the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. They shall be. See, that's that saving work in the heart regarding sanctification. Was it, I'm going to change him. I will do that. There's no doubt about that. That is the covenant mercies. After those days, I will put my law in your inner parts. I put it inside of you. So it's not outside of you that you obey something outside. You. It's, it's, it's in you. And I write in your hearts, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. In Deuteronomy 30, we find something similar. Is there compared to circumcision? You know what circumcision is, right? And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. So the Lord circumcises not only little boys, they circumcise people in their heart to cleanse them, to change them, to give them a new will, a new desire. So to love the Lord with all their heart. See, the Lord Jesus doesn't only pay the price, he gives them a different heart, a different course in life. Or Ezekiel 11, we just heard it tonight already. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. And I will give them one heart, and I will put my and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh. So the Lord is changing people around, not only forgiving, also changing them, dramatically changing them. He got also a new birth. Now that is also compared to receiving the image of God. Because Christ, having redeemed and delivered us by his blood, also renews us by the Holy Spirit after his own image. After his own image. When you use a mirror, you can just keep it in front of you. You see yourself. You can just... It will be different that you can see something that's next to you, right? In, this, in the mirror, you can see what's happening in that corner. So we, in this morning, we heard about the mirror as well. So we, we can see God in that mirror. And a reflection in the mirror that God is there through the mirror of the Word. You can see him here. But now it is about a mirror that's in front of you. You see yourself. Now you see yourself, maybe you see something else. Then I look into the mirror, I sometimes see something else. I stand there, I see something something else. I see my dad. Because I resemble him. See, oh I, I see it again. Uh, something familiar. And so it is possible that you also have a picture of someone, of a father or a mother you resemble. You look at a picture, you see yourself in the picture. Right? That's that's the that's the example here. And so the Lord wants to see many, many pictures. The Lord wants to see many images, many reflections of himself. The Lord says, I looked at that person and I saw something of myself in him, in her. That's the Lord's purpose. And that's why Adam and Eve were made in God's image, right? God's image. So when they were made in God's image, the Lord says, said, I would like to see myself in you. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The triune God says our, right? Us, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that he resembles us, that he resembles the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And that's the work of Christ. To change people in such a way that that image of God is restored. See, they were clear who that person is. You see something of Christ in the person, something of God's kindness, of God's love, of God's patience, of all the attributes of God in, in, that, in that picture, in that person. 
to look like God, right? God recreates sinners. He gives you a new heart, and then the Lord gives something of himself and says, I put some righteousness in you, and I put something of holiness in you, I put something of knowledge in you, and then I see myself in it. You may remember that Christ is the express image of his Father, the express image, the ultimate image. Christ reveals God very well. You see the Lord Jesus, you see the Father, right? That's also how the Lord Jesus explained it to Philip. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. So Christ really resembles his Father. He's God after all. But people can too. Was Adam not made after his image? And are God's people not today? And they slowly but certainly in course of time show a little bit more likeness. More likeness. And they grow in grace and increase in holiness. Yes, that can be. They show more of their Savior. They mirror him. Romans 7. For the good that I would, I do not. Did you hear that? The good that I would, the good that I want to do, I want to do it. I want to do good. I don't want to sin. For the good that I would, I, I do not. I want to do it, but I don't do it. The evil which I would not, I will not, I don't like it. I don't like sin, the evil, I don't like the evil. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Wretched man that I am. But in the meantime, Paul said something very serious. He said, I don't want to sin. I hate it. I yet do it, but I hate it. There is that two man, right, in himself. The old man and the new man fighting. For I delight in the law of God after the inner man. I delight. That's the result of that work of the Holy Spirit. That sinners begin to delight in the law of God, in obedience. They love it. And they yet sin. And they, and they hate that as well. They, they, hate, they hate to sin. You know the disciples that fell asleep when the Lord Jesus was suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane? And the Lord Jesus came back, and what did he say? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So they had something in them that they had a willing spirit. That's the result again of the work of the Holy Spirit who has renewed them according to the image of God. So how is that in your life? Can you sin without hating it? Unrestrained? Just loving it with passion and just letting yourself go on purpose? so that you cannot say, I delight in the law of the Lord. Those things are not always as lively in the heart of God's people, but it's that time again. I delight in the law of the Lord after the inner man, because it's not only to be saved from the guilt of sin, also of the power of sin. And what else? The Lord sees desire for holiness, a hunger to please him. The Lord sees the grief in their hearts for their own sins and for the sins of others. And again, when the Lord looks into such mirrors, he sees his own reflection, also real knowledge, real wisdom, because he has enlightened understanding, right? So they are, they are spiritually smart people. They have understanding of spiritual things. And the Lord says, I see myself in there. He enlightens our understanding. And by grace, sinners begin to understand what they did not understand before. 
So God, seeing sinners in sin's reflection of himself, he seeks his image back. He wants to see that. He works that image by the Holy Ghost. Colossians 3 verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. See that? That's Colossians 3 verse 10. Putting on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after that image, after the image of him that created him. Also look at the footnote number one on the next page, on page 67, the first verse that's quoted. And pay attention to therefore. What? Know ye now that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit with our God. Therefore, because the Holy Spirit works and changes, and you're not your own. He takes entrance into the heart as the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, there's more, more of course, that God sees in his children. He has worked, love, faith, and much more. He's the author. He is the author of good works. But the interesting thing is this, that the Holy Ghost let God's people do it themselves by grace. God's people begin to obey themselves by God's grace. The Holy Spirit does not do that for them. He works it in them. And by grace they are active. And by grace they repent. And by grace they believe. And by grace they live thankful lives. It's the work of the Almighty God, the author and finisher of faith, and also the author and finisher of thankfulness. So, that's the first thought about the author of holiness, the author of good works. Let's go to the second thought, the purpose. The second part of answer 86 refers to that. that so we may testify by the whole of our conduct, our gratitude to God for his blessings, and that he may be praised by us. That's the first purpose, be praised by us. Also that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof. That's the second purpose. And thirdly, and that our godly conversation, others may be gained to Christ. So let's go over those three purposes. First of all, God desires to be praised. He prays with the mouth, especially if it is from the heart. Praising God with the mouth from the heart. But that's not discussed here. I know we can glorify God with the mouth, it be the heart, but now it is about glorifying God in showing a new image, in showing something of God himself in your life. Obedience is an excellent way of expressing gratitude. Our conduct shows who we are and whom we serve. Now, we do not pay back the Lord. It's not so that God's going to say, Lord, it's so much for me, I have to do much back now. That's not the purpose. God wants the praise, not to be paid back. And the reason of saving people is God's glory. And God is not only glorified when we speak well of him, but also when we live unto him. We know that the tree is, 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 is known by the fruits. Romans 6 but now, being made free from sin, see, that is being delivered, now being made free from sin and become servants to God by God's grace, 
ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts, and that's the purpose, God's praise, so that God will be glorified and honored in eternity for all the work he has done. He's the author, and the Lord says, I like to be praised for that. Are we thankful for God's deliverance? Do we know something of those things, or have we no thankfulness at all? You know, we write on our cards, thank the, the, thanks to the Lord for the birth of that baby. And, but are we really thankful? Do we know what thankfulness is? Being thankful as a sinner, as an unworthy sinner to a holy God. Are we so thankful for God's deliverance that we live holy lives? We must obey God not only because the law says so, but we must obey God because he's so worthy of it. But the second purpose, holiness is also helpful for receiving assurance. Assurance of grace, assurance of salvation, assurance of I'm a child of the Lord, I know that. Assurance, to be sure of that, not just hoping to the best, just knowing it. That's possible. And Good works can be instruments for that, can be helpful for that. That's what I read here, right? That everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits. So the classic proof in the Bible for that is 2 Peter 1. You may want to read it at home tonight. 2 Peter 1. Let me just quote a few verses. Actually, eight fruits mentioned. Eight fruits and then the result of that. Just listen with those eight fruits. The eight changes in the hearts of God's people and then what the reward for that is. And beside this, giving all diligence, add, add to your faith virtue. That is one and two. Faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. That's number three. And to knowledge, temperance. Go slow, temperance, patience, temperance. And to temperance, patience. Oh, that's that's patience as well. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, kindness. And to kindness, brotherly, to brotherly kindness, charity. So you hear those same, same things as this morning, right? Temperance, patience, godliness, faith, virtue, charity. And then in verse 8 it says, For if these things, like patience and temperance and kindness and gentleness and charity, if those things be in you, be in you by the Holy Spirit and abound, so not just a little bit, they are really serious, they make you, that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will do something. And God's people live holy lives and add to one thing the other. They are kind people and patient people and temperate people and loving people. The Lord says, if those things abound in you, I will reward that. And I will give you that you won't be barren, that you won't be unfruitful. In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, you may know more of him. I will reveal more of him. There's so much to know about the Lord Jesus, right? The Lord says, I will show you. You have to live holy lives. The holier you live, the more I show you. It's in the Bible. Not that God's people deserve anything, but that's how it works. You know, let me ask you a question. What do you think? What type of God's, of, God's, of God's people have an easy deathbed? Think of the child of the Lord on, on his deathbed. Struggling, struggling, yet struggling, so afraid of dying. Or someone in full assurance of faith. But what's the difference? Usually it's this, not always, usually it's this. If someone has lived a close life to the Lord, it's an easy living of his life. If there's a sloppy lifestyle, if it was a child of the Lord, he goes to heaven. 
so we so much struggle and strive and so uncertain, so much doubt. So that's the same thing here. Back to the catechism. Also, that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof. So the Holy Spirit also points to that and says to God's child, to God's child see that? That's not you. You change. That's the love of God in your heart. And the Holy Spirit assures God's people of that love in the heart of the, who they are. So the true believers are not always so certain of their salvation. They grieve the Spirit when they disappoint, when disappointed, but are rewarded when they walk the narrow pathway. Are you often not so sure, child of the Lord? This is probably the reason. Lack of holiness. And the Lord is grieved and draws back. And you're grieving the Holy Spirit. So you're not so sure anymore. Your, 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 your comfort is gone. You say, what happened to me? Am I, am I a child of the Lord? Was it ever true? Is that your frame right now? The reason is probably because of your idolatry. It's, you're something, you're an idol. Just search for that. Who, who is that? What is that? It, maybe it's your greed, maybe your anger, maybe your lack of love, maybe no gentleness, maybe retaliation, maybe unforgiveness, something standing in the way. And that's why the assurance, the comfort is just sucked out of you. So he might give leanness to your soul, so that you have not enough food, you're hungry and, and missing something, and you walk over this earth as someone not happy. Of course, there are different reasons for doubts. Satan can be involved. He likes to taunt and to tease God's people. It's possible the Lord is training his child and it takes that warmth and that love a little bit away so they don't feel it so much, so they are trained in living by faith and not living by the feelings. There's many of God's people live by their feelings, and if they feel it, they have it, and they don't feel it, they have nothing, nothing left. And so the Lord trains his people by giving them some of that withdrawing spirit so that they live by faith. Sometimes it's the suffering they experience, and that brings them down. Sometimes the gospel is understood wrong. But again, most of the time, the spirit dries up the warmth and heart and hardens when we do not fight unto blood. Fight unto blood. So think, child of God, of the sweetest moments in your life so far. The closest times with the Lord. Would you like that would you like to have it back? Well, if you say yes, choose ye today whom you will serve. Live whole your lives. Bow your knees and say, Lord, I have strayed away again. And I am so foolish again. Bring me back to the fold. And make work of it. On your knees. Depending upon the Holy Spirit. Not doing it yourself, but depending upon the Lord. Lord, give me a holier life. Because it's so selfish to always ask for comfort, right? Be like comfort, comfort, consolation. The Lord's needness. The Lord, speak to my soul. yes. But that is not the main thing. The main thing is God's honor and it is obedience. So the first purpose of good works was to to praise God. And the second was to be assured of your faith, people of God. And the third one. And that our godly conversation, others may be gained to Christ. So the third reason is the reason of mission, mission work, of evangelization, to reach out to others. The people say, that person is different. I see something, I notice something, the person, he is, he's, he's a Christian, they say. I notice something, he's such a loving, patient, temperate, 
Absolutely. Pollution. And that's important. Let me show you from the Bible what's meant here. 1 Peter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husband. Why? He doesn't deserve that. He's sometimes way off the path. Maybe it's an ungodly husband. Maybe he goes to the idol temples. Maybe he's sacrificing with the Corinthians to the idols. Is it respecting him and obeying him? Really? Wives, be in subjection to your own husband's death. If any, obey not the word. Obey not the word. Also may without the word be won by the conversation, by the walk of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, with respect. So that's a clear example, right? Of people not fearing the Lord at all, no Christians at all. And his wife or husband is a very kind person and makes that person interested in your Bible. It happens more often than you think. That faithfulness, kindness, subjection, respect wins the person over to investigate what is that about? What is that Bible? However, if you're nagging and criticizing and putting the person down, he has no desire, he's not, not interested in your religion, right? Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Would you love your husband, your wife, your child, your brother, to be saved, your colleague, do not only talk about the service of the Lord, but be an example of holiness. Could you love your colleague to read the Bible? Be kind, be fair, be honest, be godly. Or do you say, am I my brother's keeper? Paul's burning desire was to lead his fellow men to Christ. In other words, living a holy life is mission work, Evangelization, it's outreach. We can pay money to, to Bolivia and we can be involved in mission work in our area. And the COVID time is a little different, of course. There's still outreach under the Mexicans. But the most important thing is to show your neighbors, and your colleagues, and your friends godliness. Some people will not set foot in a church anymore, ever. Because they're so turned on, so turned off because of someone in church who just committed fraud and was not honest to them and just, they have no respect for that person and therefore no respect for the church. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. It's possible. In, 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 in any trade, you know, it's possible that you're not honest, that you just cooking the books a little bit or just finding, finding ways to disobey the government and to make more money and if it's not according to the law when people see that there's no respect for that and people mock with God and laugh about the church and ridicule the doctrine even when we end up in prison even if we are arrested by the police for whatever reason in the future we have to be loving and show them, like the prisoners in Russia in the past. For years and years in prison, they were so polite to their guards, right? And, and some guards have been won over by the conduct of those prisoners. 1 Timothy 6, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of our honor, let the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Same thing. And Titus 2. Be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that they, that the word of God, be not blasphemed. 
So good works. The author is the Lord, three purposes, and then how serious it is if that is missing. Congregation, we have heard that salvation is God's work and that good works are still necessary <clears throat> because the Lord does not do half work. He also sanctifies, he does not only justify, he sanctifies, he renews by his Holy Spirit to make people resemble him so the Lord sees his own image in them. But now also another question. Can nobody be saved if he continues in his wicked and ungrateful life? Of course not. Absolutely not. By no means, our instructor says. So does that mean that drunks and addicts and criminals and adulterers and thieves and adulterers and covetous and slanderers cannot be saved? I didn't say that. That's not what it says in the Bible. They can be saved. That confused me, you say. Can such sinners as a man be saved? Yes. There's an open door for them. Isaiah 65. I have spread out my hands all the day. Not to my people, but to rebellious people, which walked in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. So an ungodly people walked after their own thoughts, their own will, their own flesh. And the Lord says, I spread out my hands and dear all the day. See? So all those sinners mentioned here are all, all welcome to the Lord. They call that the outer call of the gospel, don't they? So let me also mention this, this well-known text. And this, listen to this text for yourself, please. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It's a word for all of us, not? Wicked, forsaking his way, unrighteous in our own thoughts, let him return. It's not my word. It's the Lord's Bible, Lord's word. The Lord says this, this evening, let him return. I will abundantly pardon. So they can be saved. But why do we then read by no means? Well, look at the word continuing. Cannot they then be saved to continuing in their wicked and ungrateful lives and not convert to God? People continue in their sins and they're stubborn and don't give up and don't repent and don't seek the Lord. Yes, by no means. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, very pious, pray, Lord, Lord. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Who are you? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So when people continue in the sin, not only fall in sin, just continue in sin, that there is no place in heaven for them, in the kingdom of God. It's absolutely impossible. They will not enter in, they will be sent away. I don't know you. Depart from me. So, by no means, for the Holy Scripture declares that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, covetous man, drunkard, slender robber, or any such like shall inherit the kingdom of God. When people continue there, that's it. In no wise. 
It says inherit, right? Inherit this means it's free. When you have an inheritance, you don't pay for that. So those people will not enter into that kingdom. You're going to end. Romans 2 verse 4. I could have mentioned that this morning. Or despises now. That's the, that's the, the kindness, the love, the meekness, the temperance, the long-suffering of the Lord, right? The Lord is so friendly. The, one of the biblical words for friendliness is loving kindness, right? The Lord is so, has so loving kindness also in the, in the invitation. Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee, leadeth thee to repentance. That's how the Lord converts people. By showing the riches of his goodness. By showing them his forbearance. Showing them his loving kindness. Showing them his goodness. Don't you know that the goodness of God and the long-suffering of the Lord leads to repentance? Not the law. The law in all its fire and brimstone things. The law does not break a heart ever. Might wake up people a little bit. People may be shocked. It has its place. But that does not break the heart. The heart is, being, is broken by the goodness and forbearance and long-suffering of the Lord. So a most friendly, gracious, but holy God calls us tonight. Ever thought of that, my friends, young friends? The Lord calls you also tonight. Even if you're involved in sinful things, if you're watching garbage, in visiting places you don't belong, if you continue in those sins and do not repent, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't want you to die. I don't want you to perish. Who says that? Who says, I don't want you to die? Your mom, your dad, the pastor, the elder, at catechism classes? No, the Lord himself. The Lord himself is speaking tonight. And he says, I have no pleasure in your death, friend. I have no pleasure in your death. But that you repent for your, for your sins. Because you won't inherit the kingdom if you live your own way, after your own thoughts. The Lord says so. No, you do not need to first straighten out things. You don't have to better your life first. Right now is the time to seek the Lord. The kingdom of God can only be inherited. And you know an inheritance is free. Amen.